on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again to Bailiwick and the Kevin Kruger Radio Show here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Great to be with you. Run and Rebel Basketball, the topic of the day. I'm John Sandler, along with Curtis Terry and head coach Kevin Kruger. Talking about the Run Rebels, Steve Cofield is going to join us in just a moment. Uh, talking about the Run and Rebels as uh, they get ready to – they just finished a really tough portion of the schedule in terms of uh, the number of games in a short number of days. Now – get into a, a tough portion of the schedule in the sense that they're going to be playing some of the top teams in the conference over the next couple of weeks. And we'll uh, spend some time talking about that, a quick review of uh, what went on over the last couple of weeks, and uh, talk about uh, uh, what's going on with the program and uh, give Kevin a chance also to brag about a special member of his staff who's going to join us in the second half of the hour. But uh, let's bring in the head coach, Kevin Kruger. And, Coach, uh, I would imagine that, uh, that by Tuesday – when the guys had a day off, you had a day off, we had a day off, uh, although I know you probably worked, uh, everybody was uh, very much ready for that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, four games in seven days is uh, it's pretty rare in college uh, outside of the MTEs at Thanksgiving and the conference tournaments. But, um, yeah, I think the guys, as much as anything, needed that day. We had some guys that were banged up in the last uh, handful of games and could really use that day off. Uh, but, yeah, as a staff, we... We just kind of got back in the office and got ready for uh, Colorado State as best we could so that when we had practice today, uh, the guys were ready. Kurt, you talked about it uh, at the beginning of that four-game four and seven-day gauntlet uh, that we were likely to see the effects of that uh, toward the end of that stretch, and I, I think it played out. The end of the San Jose State game and certainly the trip to San Diego, uh, it, it, was a tired, it was a tired group. John, all I did was looked at my little crystal ball and just read what the future was telling me. Um, no, but I, it, it, it wasn't rocket science. Anytime you have a stretch like that, I don't care what your profession is, especially in sports, though. Uh, the, the guys were going to be fatigued. Uh, like you said, I mean, heck, I was tired. I'm not going to lie. And we didn't have nearly the workload <laughs> as these guys did. I mean, some could argue that. But uh, the, the fact is we said it Monday when we were at San Jose in terms of we weren't going to see it tonight. You probably wouldn't see it much the start of the game at, at Air Force, but you would start to see the second half of that, and then Saturday again against San Jose, and then definitely by the time we got to San Diego, just because of the, the travel that had to go into that, uh, the guys started class again that week. Uh, so that takes another another workload uh, that's put on their plate. But it's it wasn't easy, and I think it was evident that the guys looked a little gassed, looked a little tired, just didn't have as much in their legs, and that's normal. And so I think the guys, they put up the best fight that they could. But it just—it was a war of attrition, and it kind of just got the best of them. But hopefully, these couple of days have been able to to allow them to rest their legs and their minds, so that way they can give their best effort come Friday at Colorado State. And and, and that's a lot of it, Coach. I mean, Curtis just brought that up. It's not just the physical exertion. They're young guys, and and, and they bounce back. Yeah, it's a lot of games in a short period of time, but it's the mental focus. It's the prep, the preparation, the change of preparation for each team. The the the, the all of those little things just add up. Yeah, I mean, we talked with the guys about, uh, you know, usually the, the phrase that we use in sports with teams a lot of early on is, you know, this is a marathon, this isn't a sprint. But uh, about a week and a half ago, we sat down and told them, like, guys, this is a sprint. Like, we are, I mean, we've got four games in seven days, 
five and 11. Four of those are on the road. Um, I mean, had we stayed perfectly healthy, it still would have been tough. But, you know, we had some injuries throughout that, that stretch as well, just adding a little more difficulty to that, that stretch as a whole. But, uh, again, I mean, I've said it, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. I'm, I'm still incredibly proud of this group, these guys, uh, you know, coming here and not knowing what they're getting into, uh, the, the COVID pauses, the injuries, the different lineups every few weeks, the, the change in the schedule. I mean, they didn't sign up for all that. And they, they've continued to battle and fight, though. And, and like Curtis said, I, I, I didn't – when we got in the locker room at San Diego State, we, we didn't rip them apart for effort or, or mental readiness. We, uh, we just kind of we, – we could see it. And uh, we just told him, you know, it's time to get back to Vegas, take uh, take a day off, and get ready for Colorado State. Yeah, and, and Steve, I think from your vantage point, you know, uh, the last couple of games, you, you know, you're 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 watching these guys up close. It was pretty evident there were some there were some tired bodies and tired minds out there. Oh, well, you know, it's a rough matchup too. You got a team that really wants to play physical, and you're a little worn down. And you know, I, uh, I was talking to uh, Victor today about the physical, and then I brought it up with you, Coach at the end of the game that there, you know, there are certain guys right now who I think can give a little bit more physically. And I, I love what Vic gave, like, you know, they kept pitching the ball down to Mensa and Vic came in and was like, now nah, I'm not going to move, you know? And, and right now some guys can do that and some can't, but you, you were quick to point out after the game, like there really are no excuses right now. It's been, you know, this has been fatiguing, but there's a lot of teams that are having to go through the same thing. Well, and, and, and at the end of the day, still, I mean, this is UNLV. This is Las Vegas. This is running Rebel basketball. There are no moral victories. Um, you know, the, we talk it to the group. You know, we don't, there's no asterisk on this season. There's none of that. We, we got the schedule we got put in front of us. And, and uh, while, you know, we're, we're told everybody's going to go through it, so it could be good for us in the long run that we get it out of the way here at the beginning. But, uh, uh, you know, we, we can't do anything but, but line it up and play. And, uh, yeah, as we mentioned, uh, and Vic had a great stretch. He had a good stretch at San Diego, and, and, he, and he got some good minutes. You know, he got an opportunity to play, be on the perimeter a little bit, down in the post a little bit. And those are reps that he wasn't able to get in, in the non-conference uh, because of his injury. So, um, uh, you know, we're going to keep, you know, counting on Vic to bring physicality, size, um, a little bit of nastiness, and, uh, and continue to expand his role. That's why I'm so excited for the second half of the season with both Vic you know, once he can get past the 20-minute threshold, which he's coming up on, he just played 19 minutes. And, you know, we also talked a lot after the game uh, about Keyshawn Gilbert. And Keyshawn, does, he does some things you notice, and he does other things that are, you know, kind of in between the lines. And, you know, there was a little mix-up there with Baker Mazzara. Just what the energy both of those guys are bringing is something that's really needed. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, Keyshawn, yeah, he might live in the gray from time to time on what's a foul and what's not. Uh, you know, we don't mind that all the time. You know, he plays incredibly hard. He takes a lot of pride in playing hard. And uh, as we've talked about before, he, he recognized pretty early on that his, his path to minutes wasn't going to be scoring. It was going to be changing the flow of the game and, and guarding uh, their best players. And, and, you know, when you've got two like-minded people like him and Vic out there at the same time, well, you know, they can be cats and dogs at times in practice and in the locker room and whatnot. When they get out on the court, they can be a, a, a real physical presence. Yeah, there's, I was just poking Curtis because it's, it's, it's those little things in the game that can, you know, can throw off an opponent when you're kind of needling, you know, like you see out there. And it's, I, I think it's productive. I, we've talked about, the, you know, sometimes Keyshawn will go in for a block and, you know, maybe the, the massive swipe is going to draw a foul, but... It, it can get under the skin. I saw Orlando Robinson get a little worked up. So there, there's, there's a mental part of this game. 
Coach called it the gray area, and I'm all for the gray area. That's for sure. Um, I like to think that there was times, definitely earlier in my career at UNLV when I was, I played in the gray area because, like, like you said, there's there's only so many ways you're gonna get on the court, and for me, it was to kind of do that to get under people's skin. Um, definitely when that year when Kevin came in, and I was was on the scout team at times, um, and we had to go against him. We try to you know, get under his skin, poke him, pester him. I probably still do that. Um, but I think you need those kind of guys in your program because sometimes they'll toe the line. They can bring the energy up when some of your guys are tired um, or feeling fatigued and, and just don't have it that day. Um, but to have, to have guys like Vic, um, but especially to have a guy like Keyshawn that's a, that's a freshman that just doesn't know any better, basically, to go out there and just give it all he has every night out, I think it's huge. And it's something that's going to just really make an impact on this program, not just for the, this season and the rest of this season, but for years to come. One of the things that this team has, in addition to that, that toughness coming from those guys um, that, that has been missing from maybe recent versions of runner rebel basketball teams, there's leadership out there. There's leadership both vocal and active in terms of a guy like Royce Ham Jr., and there's also leadership by example, whether it's a freshman, Keyshawn, or, or a, a second-year player like Vic, showing it with effort, Bryce Hamilton just showing it with effort and execution, uh, and, and every once in a while saying something, which uh, which is great to see. Uh, but But... The ability to establish that leadership now and going forward in your program has to make you feel good. Well, yeah, and I think the, the, to your point, I think they're, they're continuing to grasp and kind of take ownership of, uh, of the team. And, and when you do that, when they, when, they're, when they take a full and feel full responsibility out there of, of making sure things go well uh, based on a plan that you know, we, we work on to get ready for uh, during, uh, during the prep, I think that's where that leadership really emerges and you see it. You know, you see guys pointing and talking at a dead ball. I think that's something that, you know, we talk to our guys a lot about is chatter. You know, a lot of chatter. You know, if you go, if you're a baseball fan and you go to a baseball game and you can hear what they're saying on the field, the, the, the infielders are always talking, you know, balls and strikes, how many outs, where are we going if the ball gets hit? And we, and we need more of that. And, uh, and that's, that's something that uh, we've grown as a team. It's gotten better, but uh, you can always have more. But even in the last handful of games, we've started to do that more. And it just shows kind of a, a, a commitment to the game and to what's going on and, and, and a readiness that, that you have to have. But I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, Jordan, uh, Keyshawn with his effort, uh, Royce and Bryce even, uh, uh, the way they've continued to talk and, and kind of show, kind of, uh, you know, show their hand, if you will, and, and just lay it all out there is, is great for the continued growth. And not much concern about Vic talking he nope he, no he, we're not he gonna worry that. about Vic Vic will talk Vic will talk plenty yeah you get you get Vic and Donovan and Mike Nuga and all them in the same room that's it's not gonna be a quiet room there there, there are no wallflowers in that room uh no doubt about it and Vic can be awfully entertaining you mentioned Bryce and we were talking about him you mentioned a stretch Bryce over this this last stretch uh I, I think kind of took it to another level even though the game up at San Jose he missed a lot of shots um his his leadership of the offense and his ability to take over a game, even against a very tough opponent, uh, has been remarkable. Well, I think that's a, that's the type of player Bryce is. You're not going to uh, keep him from scoring very long. So uh, in San Jose, he had some good looks, but uh, they didn't fall. Shots he normally makes. Uh, you know, he bounced right back with Air Force, San Jose at home, and then even having a good night in San Diego State. So uh, you know, watching Bryce play at San Jose and while other guys were clicking, you could see a, a, a little frustration because he's just used to making those shots. I don't, he didn't force, I don't think, one shot. Uh, thinking back on it, he just, he's used to making them. And uh, uh, so that's why, you know, leaving that game, we were pretty confident that the next game Bryce was going to be just fine.
You know, Steve brought up an interesting point uh, uh, in our in our last broadcast, talking about the fact that because of the pause and because of the rescheduling of these games, you've lost your bye weeks, uh, and 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 that's a challenge because you're going to have you're going to have bumps and bruises. Rebels are banged up right now, uh, and 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 Steve, I know uh, you know you you brought it up. Yeah, the rebels were down for for ten days with the pause, but but once we're back up and running right now. It's uh, it's pedal to the metal to the end of the year, and that's a challenge. I'll actually give Curtis credit on that because I think Curtis, right? You were the one who brought up the bye weeks. Thank you, Steve. Nothing, nothing against John. I want to give Curtis. You know, if Curtis doesn't get credit, we know there could be trouble years from now. <laughs> yes, exactly. He does <laughs> hold a grudge. Back I've you. got a running list. Yeah, he does hold a grudge. <laughs> but I mean, it, it it does change the way the season goes, and I, you know, obviously not to harp on it, but San Diego State, there can be negatives to being laid off for a long time. They were also a very beat up team. That was coming back kind of fresh. They were finally healthy going into the game. So, like you said, Curtis, the, the bye weeks are there for a reason, and all of a sudden you lose them. Yeah, the only gripe I have with the conference, and I can say this, is that you didn't reschedule our bye week. So, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if we can do anything about it, but the powers that be, the top of the Mountain West, um, it, it's just unfortunate because the way the schedule lays out, there's teams that are going to have those bye weeks. We lose them completely, and so our guys are going to have gone. So the stretch that started a week ago four games and seven nights, and then Friday's game is going to be five games in 11 days, four of those on the road. We're, then we play again Tuesday, then we play yep. again Saturday. We don't have another day off. There's two games per week the rest of the way. And it's, it's just unfortunate because you don't have that advantage or opportunity to get your guys healthy, um, especially when, we, when you're not the ones responsible for those games yep. getting postponed and then rescheduled. Yeah. I do have to go back to Bryce, and I know we, we pat him on the back a lot, but I also think he doesn't get enough credit at times, because now we're starting, we pick his game apart about it. And I ask you all the time about efficiency. I was asking you again today, like, the level he's playing at is nuts. I mean, he's, I think he's top three right now in the conference in scoring. He's averaging, I think it's 21-9 over his last 10 games. And we just talked about no bye weeks. This has been a very physical time. So I just, I, you know, a lot of times we don't, uh, we just assume that he's going to get his 23. I mean, what he's doing at a high level consistency with no breaks is pretty nuts. Well, and, and to, to even continue that uh, thought is Bryce doesn't, hasn't missed a practice. Um, we, you know, we have, we have three guys that have played in every game this year. Uh, and, you know, it's great that he's one of them. But he, he also doesn't take the days off in practice. And he's been incredibly resilient. He takes care of himself. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, there's a, you know, I think they're connected. Yeah. He's taking care of his body, taking care of uh, getting his rest and, and being out there every night and, um, hopefully we can continue this streak he's on because I think when we all figure it out, hopefully we can get in the right direction. And, and trust me, folks, he's putting in the work. Is he under practice today? I don't even know what you call the drill, but you guys were do, basically doing layups going back and forth around yeah, the rim. The mic and with, drill. Yep. With, right? And, I'm, like, I played very low-level basketball, and I was not athletic. And I'm like, I freaking hated that drill. And if I'm Bryce Hamilton, like, I'm averaging 22 points a game over the last 10. Like, I don't want to do this drill today. But he did it. He was sitting there with Jordan McCabe going back and forth. He put in the work. And, and you know, he is – at the top of every scouting report, and you watch the games, there's a reason when Bryce drives to the basket and you know puts up that that shot high off the glass that he's often watching it go through the go through the net, sitting on his wallet and you know out of bounds. It's it's not because he sent himself that way. He well, you you said he, he was laughing after some of the physical contact against San Diego State, like. Okay, I guess they're not yeah. going to call this one. Yeah, well, or, or the last six or whatever, <laughs> however many there were. But, you know, he's got a great attitude. And I, I just, you know, having watched Bryce and gotten to know him over, over the, you know, his, t- his time at UNLV, it really is wonderful to see how 
how much he's grown up, that he can laugh at that and then go out the next time down and attack again and get a bucket and, and you know, grow into becoming not only an outstanding basketball player, but a, but a pretty good guy, too. And, and you know, that that is a, a terrific thing to have watched. Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, Bryce has, has been – I. Luckily, you know, with the two years with TJ, I was I was able to uh, form a great relationship with Bryce, and uh, you know, uh, he he does he is he's a great a great guy, you know, a great mom in Jamie Jackson, uh, back in Pasadena, uh, older brother Blake that that just really helped him along the way. He treats people the right way. He's respectful. Um, he's on time to everything we do. You know, he 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 works every day. So uh, it, it's been fun. It's been fun to be around him. And, uh, you know, we, we're really just kind of hoping we can get this, you know, continue as he continues to grow. We can continue to, to get better as a group and, and get more healthy and, and kind of uh, make a little push and a little run here from here on out. Healthy would be nice. And uh, it's going to take a little while because there are some guys banged up. We're going to take a break. When we come back, because we're going into this uh, this part of the schedule playing uh, against some of the teams in the upper echelon of the Mountain West Conference. We'll talk about the conference a little bit and talk, get Kevin's impressions of, uh, of those teams that are on the Rebel schedule over the next few weeks, starting, of course, Colorado State and Reno the next two games. Uh, fans, remember that EOS is a better gym, better price. EOS Fitness, proud partner of UNLV Athletics. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Back here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, Steve Cofield, and head coach Kevin Kruger, the Kevin Kruger Radio Show, talking to Runner Rebel Basketball. Rebels at Fort Collins up at Moby Arena, taking on Colorado State on Friday night. We'll be on the air at uh, 5.30 Las Vegas time with Runner Rebel warm-up, 6 o'clock with the tip against the Rams. Rebels back home on Tuesday, taking on Reno at the Thomas and Mac, and fans can get uh, free tickets Uh Kevin knows all about that. <laughs> He's oh, yeah. involved. Raising Canes. Go to Raising Canes. Get some free tickets. Which Raising Canes is that, Kevin? The one on Flamingo, right behind. Flamingo and Maryland Parkway. Maryland Parkway, <laughs> right behind the university. Raising Canes, Flamingo and Mar- Maryland Parkway. Free tickets to the Reno game Tuesday night at the Thomas and Mac. Stop by sometime over the weekend and, and uh, grab your tickets and uh, come on out and enjoy Runner Rebel basketball. Did you ever work in fast food? <laughs> I didn't, but I did some acting. You might have noticed. That's what you meant to he ask. He stayed at a Holiday Inn last that was yeah. It was pretty impressive. There were a lot of familiar faces in that one, actually, in the, in the video. You've got to check out the video up on Twitter. And I, I didn't check Instagram, but I assume it's up there. So, it's def- It definitely is. It definitely is. But uh, thank you for uh, that compliment to my acting performance. I appreciate good. it. Can we talk about your other athletic achievements, though? I know you play other sports, but you were, you were a pretty talented gymnast in your day, weren't you? You could pull off a couple I tricks. I grew up doing gymnastics. Could do a flip here and there. A flip here. Don't be so modest. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Raising Cane's, thanks to them as well for uh, supporting this program and uh, hoping to get a big crowd at the Thomas and Mac for the game against Reno on Tuesday. Uh, Rebels... Going into, as I said, a part of the schedule where they're going to be taking on some teams we haven't talked about at all, and three teams, starting with Colorado State on Friday, who are having terrific, I mean, really good seasons. Uh, the Rams are 16-1. and one. Their only loss was at San Diego State where they got worked, like a lot of teams do. Boise State has won, what, 13 in a row, I think? And they're, they're at the, the, in first place. They're 7-0. and oh. And Wyoming kind of out of nowhere, 15-3 and three and 4-1 and one in conference. 
those those three schools, and if you look at their rosters now, Boise has a lot of transfers, but transfers who had who had been waiting and sitting there learning the system. But Colorado State, I I was looking at their roster today, getting ready for Friday night's game. They've had the same roster and the same guys basically now for three straight seasons. Uh, you, you can't replace that. No, and even uh, you know if you looked, I think there was a stat that came out last year after the Final Four uh, with the. I think three of the four teams had had seven guys that had played together multiple years, and so there there is an element of that, you know, having that com- that, that comfort level with guys and that understanding, uh, you know, just kind of those, those, those. You watch Colorado State, you can see their their guys know what each other are going to do, or they can give each other a look or a, a a movement, and and they they just they just know what to expect of each other, and they know what they're going to get out of each other, and that just comes from playing together and. Uh, it's kind of what I've been talking about all year with our guys. I think our guys are continuing to get better. Uh, they're continuing to understand each other and play off of each other. Um, and, and I think that's why they've continued to improve. Uh, but, yeah, you're, you're putting that up against the Colorado State that's been together three years. Uh, you know, a Wyoming that now is, you know, a, a full year and a half together. And then Boise, who, as you mentioned, you know, even the, the, the kids that they had that transferred, some of them had sat out. So they got a full redshirt year in the program. Uh, before being eligible, and I think that's uh, that's why you're seeing those being three of the top teams at the conference is just that cohesion and that gel that they have uh, from being together. Is it reasonable to expect to be able to do that? I, I mean, I think Colorado State, uh, being sort of the the paradigm example, having that whole roster together for three years, um, I think their timing was great. All those guys were becoming seniors when they had the opportunity to transfer, and at that point there was no reason to do so because they knew they were going to have such a good team. Is it reasonable to expect to be able to build a program with that much stability and continuity going forward in the current environment? I think it is, and I, and I think it's something that we've, to an extent, started to do. Uh, you know, we've got five guys right now that, if they choose to use their COVID year, will are, are sophomores. And, uh, you know, when you talk about David, Vic, uh, Webb, uh, uh, Bake, Bake. Uh, uh, what? Donovan? Yeah, and Donovan. Yep. And if you talk about those five, uh, you know, thinking and approaching this season as being sophomores, you, you've got your core. And and I think to, to your point, you know, if, if they're a group that, that can stay together, they, they they can just continue to get better and be really good, uh, uh, just like Colorado State, Wyoming, Boise, and uh, uh, just continue to play together and continue, continue to improve. And yeah, Steve, I was going to say Colorado State nailed it with recruiting because I, I don't know how David Roddy got out of Big Ten country. I know he's undersized. From a height standpoint, I mean, he's 255 pounds, if not more, and he was a football recruit as well. Uh, but the fact that they got him to Fort Collins is amazing. He's turned into a great player, and I know, you know, he may get a lot of the attention, but Isaiah Stevens is awesome. He, he's great, and he can hurt you in a lot of ways because he's so fast. Uh, he can get downhill, but he also he's a great three-point shooter. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about it earlier today after practice that uh, I, I believe him to be actually the most underrated guard or, uh, in the country. Uh, I think uh, not just on the West Coast, not in the Mountain West, but uh, but in the country. I mean, if you watch him play, the way he plays within their system, uh, and then he'll go and he'll make a couple incredibly tough shots, uh, kind of make something out of nothing type of, uh, of player, and, and you kind of wonder he could probably do that more and be more of a, a an offensive threat, even though he's having a great year. Uh, it, but he's doing it within what they they are doing as a team. And when you get guys that do that, like a Roddy, like him, uh, even last night against Reno, 
uh, Moores comes in, who hasn't had a huge role offensively, and finishes the game for him instead of Thomas. Uh, when you've got that flexibility and those guys that just just do what they need to do to win the game, uh, I think you can end up having what Colorado State has this year, which is a historic year in their program. And on the broadcast over the years, we've talked about Roddy a little bit, right, Curtis? Oh yeah. <laughs> Curtis is very impressed, and this this is a uh, this is. I guess goes to the hard work of guys, but uh, with some of the physiques in this conference, we were talking about Matt Bradley, who is listed at 220. He ain't 220. He's probably about 240 His pounds. His left thigh is yeah, 220. I mean, he's, he's just gigantic. And the thing that makes Roddy so unique, again, like I mentioned, he's probably 255 pounds, but he's he's really more of a, a face-up four. He's a really tough cover. I was trying to, today on Twitter, I was trying to list everyone who might cover him, and I went, you know, as small as like Josh Baker, if he's back, and there might be times where David Mooka might have to cover him if it's in the post and like everyone in between. Well, I think that, yeah, that's what makes him such a unique player um, in our conference, especially is, you know, we can put Royce, Vic, David, Reese Brown out there on him, get try to get a little bigger, a little more length. And, you know, he'll, he'll play half the game out on the perimeter. And then you put, you can put a guard, you know, Keyshawn would love to, to battle him, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, Bryce, even with, with his mobility uh, and he'll probably, spend more of that time in the post and you so you just kind of do have to pick your poison with him a little bit but I, I think with a guy like him the more uh, the more looks we can give him uh, just the different looks uh, different guys uh, uh, kind of each time so that he can't kind of adapt and learn and and see what he can beat a specific guy in for later in the game I think uh, that's going to be part of our approach uh, Friday. Kevin before we let you go because we do uh we, we, we do have a, a guest for our second half of our show. We want you to be able to talk about him a little bit because I know how special he is to you as, uh, personally, but also uh, how important he is to the program. We're going to have Deshaun Henry on in, in the second half of the show, who uh, is the Dobo for the Rebels, the director of basketball operations. And that title might be the most misleading. I mean, forget the basketball side. It's the operations side that occupies most of his time. He does everything. And it's really remarkable. Yeah, he is. It's director of basketball operations. But I think what people don't understand is it's basketball operations all the way down to what each of us are doing with our life that day. It's not just as much as booking a hotel or, or this, that. I mean, it is where we go as coaches, what we're doing, how it times up, uh, how the guys, you know, how their schedules match and when we can get them fed, when, when, when he can get them together. Um, and then you take all that, as difficult as that is, and you throw in what, what he's had to do this year, yeah. it, it's, it's borderline not fair uh, you know, to have the schedule changed as much as he has. And we're not going to L.A. and Oakland and Salt Lake City and Seattle. We're going to places that aren't the easiest to get to in the world, and he's having to find out and change uh, hotel reservations, car reservations, uh, uh, the uh, flights, uh, you know, on, on a 12-hour notice and for a group, for a travel party of 50, uh, that, that can be a little difficult. And, I mean, even things as little as, as changing the, the, the times we eat, you know, because the schedule changed. I mean, the, the number of things that have to be changed uh, every time something's changed from our schedule. Um, I know he probably hasn't been sleeping a ton lately, uh, but uh, we can't thank him enough. We're appreciative he's here. Um, he calls Vegas home. After being here 26 years, so that, that's great to have somebody else uh, that calls it home, even not being born here. But no, uh, Deshaun's the best at what he does, and uh, we're we're ecstatic to have him. Well, we're gonna we're gonna let him uh, tell you about his 
his role with the Runner Rebels because I know how much he is valued. And I th- I, we kind of thought the fans would find it interesting, especially, as you said, with what the Rebels have had to deal with over the last few weeks. We will see you uh, on the airplane tomorrow as the Runner Rebels head up to Fort Collins to take on Colorado State on Friday night. We will. All right. Go, go say hi to those, uh, those, <laughs> those beautiful little girls of oh, yours. Oh, will do. Thanks, John. Head coach Kevin Kruger with us. Take a break. I want to remind you, Finley Chevrolet, located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they're customer-driven. Deshaun Henry with us next. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino. Bailiwick here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Kevin Kruger Radio Show talking Runner Rebel basketball. Runner Rebels at Colorado State Friday night. 6 o'clock Las Vegas time with the tip. Curtis and I and Steve will have all the action. And Nick uh, starting at 5.30 with Run and Rebel warm-up. Rebels back at the Thomas and Mac on Tuesday to take on Reno. Tickets available at the Raising Canes over at uh, Flamingo and Maryland Parkway. Stop by and uh, see how full we can get the Thomas and Mac as Reno shows up on Tuesday. But uh, we'll step away from the nuts and bolts of, of what happens on the court right now and, and talk to a guy who's responsible for everything else with the Runner Rebel basketball program, and that's Deshaun Henry. Deshaun, thanks for being with us. Sorry to, to interrupt uh, a night off, but uh, I, we thought it would be interesting for the fans to kind of get a, a little bit of a snapshot of all that you do uh, for this Runner Rebel program. And, folks, just to give you an indication, Deshaun came up to, to get on the show. He said, oh, hold on a second. And he got on his phone. He, had, he said, i got to send the schedule out for tomorrow to the players before I forget. So, I mean... There is never a moment when he's not doing something on this program. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go down to visit Deshaun in the middle of the summer uh, in his office. What are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to get this game finalized. I'm trying to do this. Deshaun, if you could give us the, the, the table of contents of your job description, all the different things that, that it, it entails. It entails a lot, John. Um, scheduling of the day-to-day schedule game schedule, uh, ordering of gear, travel, hotels, rent-a-cars, food, um, scheduling guests to come into the Mendenhall, um, working with Thomas and Mac. I mean, the list just goes on and on. But I really enjoy it because every day is different. Every day is not the same. And not the same and, and, and no rest. Uh, CT, I know that you, you have uh, not only enjoyed working with Deshaun, but have uh, benefited from the other Dobos, other directors of basketball operations you've worked for, and you know how people they are to the program. Oh, yeah, no, I, without a doubt. I mean, the head coaches are great, right? Assistant coaches are great, but the people like Deshaun are the ones that keep the program um, afloat. They keep the lifeline going. Um, I had the privilege to play under uh, Lon Kruger, and uh, uh, Mike Shepard was the director of basketball operations then. Uh, great guy, obviously. Uh, did a lot of stuff for me then and even now. Uh, Craig Workington was the director of operations under uh, Dave Rice when I was on staff here. Uh, but now with Deshaun, and I had the opportunity to work with Deshaun before he came to UNLV when he was at Durango High School as the head basketball coach and the guidance counselor there. Um, and when I found out he got the job at UNLV, I was like, this is awesome. Not just because he's a, he's a good person, he deserves the opportunity, but because you need people like Deshaun in that role that are really, that are really selfless, uh, that do stuff for others, um, and that truly want the program to be successful because they're the ones that, like you said, they're working at all hours of the day. There's no days off. They have to do all the work that doesn't get glamorized. Uh, they don't get the credit for it. But when you really pull back the curtain, it's 
people like Deshaun that are keeping this thing afloat and keeping it moving forward. Um, and so I think that us here at UNLV, we're, we're blessed and lucky to have someone like Deshaun that, that cares so much, but like Kevin said, that has been in this community so long that has the respect of the people throughout it to really make this thing go. Yeah, and I mean, run road basketball means a lot to you. It means a lot. I went to my first Run Rebel game when I was six years old. And so I grew up in Southern California, but I had family out here in Las Vegas. And I wanted to be a running Rebel ever since I was yay high. So I take it very serious. I have a lot of love for the program, take a lot of pride in it. When you, when you think about all the things that you have to do for the Runner Rebel program, what are the things that you enjoy the most? And, and what's the other side of the card where you go, oh, man, I, I got to get to this? <laughs> I enjoy the most is taking care of the players. I, I really do. I love seeing their faces when we're able to do a special meal or do something off, uh, off script where we can go have some fun, do something like that. So I really enjoy doing stuff for them and seeing them react. And, and we've been able to do some neat things here in town. Um, some of the stuff that's not so fun is uh, like last week when, yeah. game, when games get rescheduled and you have to change flights and dates and times and all this other stuff and it gets to be a little tough so last or when you're when your plane isn't able to go and you got to get another one and send everybody yeah. home and get it back yeah. to the all of that stuff yeah that seems like a week ago but that was just a few days ago exactly and so that was a that was a tough trip because the plane was damaged and we couldn't leave right away and so we had probably about a five hour delay however i'm responsible for a party roughly of 36 38 people and they're all texting me, when do we leave? When's the plane going to get here? What's this? What about this? What about that? And so it gets to be a little uh, tough. I had a, text, uh, I had a text to Sean. And I'm like one of the oldest members of the travel party. I had a text him that I left my keys on the bus. And I was like, is the bus coming back? Is I going to switch buses? So you were babysitting me <laughs> on Sunday. And I'm, I'm not a, a young guy. Um, you mentioned... You know, working with the kids, you have, you have a background in high school as well. What, yeah. what is more challenging? Work, I mean, it, I guess this would be obvious, maybe not. What's more challenging, working with college-age kids or high school-age kids? You know what? It, it's pretty much the same. I think what really kind of helped me, pre prepare me for this position, for this job, is at the high school level, as the head coach, I handled it all anyway. I handled all the scheduling, all the, the buses, and we were fortunate enough to be able to travel out of town, so handle that stuff, and all that stuff, the academic side. So I think that really allowed me to cut my teeth and prepare me for this job and have some patience to, to handle <laughs> and work with all with everyone. The, the one difference is the high school kids, they go home at the end of the day. The college kids, they go home, but you're responsible for their home. Yes, that is true. My, my, but do I, they really go home, John? Eventually, yeah. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I spend much more time with, with uh, these guys at UNLV than I did with the guys at uh, Durango High School. So, uh, yeah, it's a very unique challenge. But, yeah, there's a lot of late-night text and double-checking and making sure and early AM texts, are you awake, are you up, are you on your way, things like that. So it is uh, a little bit more hands-on. And, and, I mean, I, I don't want to make light of it because the, the, the number of different things that Deshaun is responsible for – scheduling not just scheduling i mean you're talking about scheduling games so when the rebels play x team he's not the one who necessarily has has selected that team on the schedule but when coach kruger says hey we're going to play a home and home with you know whatever university 
It's Deshaun who's got to get on the phone and p- figure out dates, figure when the Thomas and Mac is available, figure when their arena is available, all of that stuff. And that, that's done mostly in the offseason. But then it moves into the season, housing for the players, making sure that, that their class schedules align with practice schedule. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the game scheduling is tough because I am involved in that, but there's a lot of people involved with that because you're talking about venues, right, home and away, Thomas and Mac, we're playing on the strip. You're also talking about selection of teams. So typically, that's not a decision that we make in a, in a bubble. Usually that involves coach, the assistant coaches, uh, a lot of data and information goes into selecting who we're going to play, along with Thomas and Mac, ticket sales, all that stuff. So it gets very complicated. So that one is very tedious. And so you do a lot of that in the off season. And then typically what happens is as we get closer to season, that's when TV picks up the game times. You start figuring that stuff out and start booking your travel. So you kind of hurry up, hurry up to get the schedule built, the game schedule, and then it kind of goes on the shelf until we get to probably September, October. And then it comes back out, and now you got to get it finalized. Yeah, it, it's really remarkable. Uh, Steve, you got a little no, grin on your thinking, face. I was just thinking of all the responsibilities. I, I assume one of them might be like emergency – uh, right before the game, running over to the scorer's table to change the starting lineup. But that was not you. And uh, we'll have to get Tim Buckley on the air. Uh, Tim, you know, is a, I think, yeah. did he get a hip replacement? He yeah, did he get did. a hip he, replacement. He was running so fast. Yes. Uh, because, Shout you know, out to his doctor. Yeah, I mean, good job, right? Very yeah. good job. So I, I, uh, I missed that assignment. I was busy taking care of something else, and I turned my back, and I looked down the hall, and here comes Coach Buckley sprinting down the hall, which I hadn't seen. And so it was good to see. So. Well, I, I, I'm, yeah, that's uh, that 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 is something that that ordinarily doesn't happen, and one of the many curveballs that the Rebels have had to hit uh, over the last uh, few weeks. Good, yeah, Coach, uh, Coach Henry's got got good hand-eye coordination hitting those curveballs. But what <laughs> I want to bring up and mention, uh, we we talked about at Durango High School, um, and, and it's a it's a kid that we always talk about frequently based on what he's done so far this season. But you've had the opportunity now. Uh, to Coach Keyshawn Gilbert when he was at high school as a Durango Trailblazer, and now yes. that he's at UNLV. What have you seen from him between now, or f- from then to now, and just how he's grown and developed, um, and did you really see this coming for him? I did see this coming from him. He's a very, um, I think everyone appreciates how he plays defense. He's a very tough-minded kid. That's definitely noticeable right out the gate. And so he's a little unique. He's a little different with that mindset. And so I did see this for him, but it's just been a joy to be around him. He has this tough demeanor, and he's all about defense. And he's doing all these things on the court, but when you really get to talk to him, he's just a sweet kid, and great smile, and he's a, a lot of fun to be around. The guys love him. The guys love him. He's like everyone's little brother. But he, he, was, a, he was fun to coach in, uh, in high school as well. The other thing that, Keisha, that uh, Deshaun saw early on was uh, the potential of Kevin Kruger as a head coach. And it's something that we talked about a lot, uh, Curtis and, and I and, and Deshaun, over the, the last couple of years. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little about that and, and, and how things are going uh, in Deshaun's estimation. Because he is a guy who knows the ins and outs of not only basketball but the program. And he also has been watching this program for a long time. We'll get his feelings about the direction it's headed. I want to remind you that there are many ways to be satisfied here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino and savor the latest and greatest variety of flavors right here at Bailiwick All-American Pub and Eatery. Food and fun, it's what they do. Back with our final segment after this, you're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick on the UNLV Sports Network.
Welcome back to Bailiwick, our final segment. Kevin Kruger Radio Show, John Curtis, Steve, and Deshaun Henry, Runner Rebels Director of Basketball Operations, Runner getting ready to head up to uh, snowy Fort Collins, Colorado, and take on the 16-1 and top 25-ranked Colorado State Rams uh, at Moby Arena on Friday night, 5.30 Runner Rebel warm-up at 6 o'clock with the tip right here on the uh, Runner Rebel Learfield Radio Network. Uh, visiting with Deshaun, talking kind of all things Runner Rebel basketball, but uh, I've told the story before, Deshaun, last year, uh, you know, when it became pretty evident that uh, the Rebels are going to make yet another coaching change, uh, that uh, we began talking about eh, speculating as, as one does, and, and you immediately said, it doesn't matter, you know, what, what, what you hear or what, what people talk about. The one guy I know who, who should get this opportunity is Kevin Kruger. And you, you were absolutely adamant and, and no doubt about that. Yes. Um, not only when you talk to him, it's his passion for the Rebels and his passion for the city. But uh, what I really enjoy about him, he's sneaky good. He's really, really sneaky good. He has a, a great mind for basketball and how he connects with people. So he's real unassuming, but it's, he's very strategic. Yeah, and, and I mean, what were some things that you saw in him? Uh, I mean, you, you can know basketball, you can you can have all of that, but there's some things that it takes to become a head coach. And Kevin is growing into the job; it's his first year. What are some things that you know he's got? I noticed over the the two years as an assistant, the players always gravitated towards him. Um, somehow, some way, they always gravitated towards him, whether to get up shots, extra workout, or questions about the game. Uh, coach Kruger is great. Um, with the nuances of the game uh, on the offensive end and defensive end, and players always found themselves in his office asking about those different wrinkles in the game to, to get better or to, to win a game. Yeah, we've talked about it on the air, and, and you know, I've been doing this for 18 years, and we've been through eight coaches and, and a number of different athletic administrations. And, and I mean, Steve, you know, uh, as well as anybody, you look at a program like San Diego State. They've had, during that same time they've had two head coaches. Uh, you know the, the programs that have stability seem to have the most success, and I think the Runner Rebel program right now has an opportunity for that. Uh, ironically, at a time when player movement is going to get kind of crazy, but nonetheless, that stability uh, I think it's a must if this program is going to get back to sort of those upper upper echelon levels in, in the world of college basketball. Uh, no, and my name's not Steve, but I'm going to jump into that one. Um, you're right. And it's kind of, it's, it's to, to kind of piggyback on what Coach Henry just said about Kevin. I mean, it's kind of hard to pinpoint what it is that Kevin has because a lot of people, I don't think, when you just see Kevin, I mean, he's a good looking gentleman. He obviously gets it from Lon and Barb, but you just don't see, it just doesn't like wow you right away. But if you really get to know Kevin, you're, you can just, you can see and you can hear his mind work and the way in which it does when it, with regards to, um, a basketball program, a basketball team, being a basketball player, but now him being a basketball coach. I mean, for me, and biased aside, he checked every box in terms of what you want for a head coach who's trying to rebuild a program that is used to having success. Um, and he, I think he, he's done a great job so far. He's impressed me just based on where he was when he got hired almost a year ago to where he is now. I mean, it's night and day in terms of just the, the speed in which he's picked things up and the way he handles the media and interacts with the boosters and the fans and the alumni. Um, but I think you do need that stability. 
And I think Kevin brings that. And so I think I've, I've heard people say, well, we're not winning yet. It's not fast enough. I'm like, well, depends on how you define that. Compared to last year, I think we're going to have more wins than we did last year. We're going to have a better team than we did the last two seasons, even if we knocked off the number four team, San Diego State, two years ago. But Kevin is a guy who's going to make sure that this is going to be done the right way. And I think with the movement of players and transferring in your COVID year, there's nobody better than a guy that's young like Kevin that can really connect with these players because he's going to get it and understand what's driving and motivating them more so than the guy that's been sitting on the bench for 30, 40 years because you might have the resume and the X's and O's, but you have no idea what's really motivating these kids because you don't live in the TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat world because it's just different, and that's what's really a key factor in these young student-athletes' lives. I do think that's a great point. I, I think Coach does a good job of, of being a modern coach. I think one of the things that really works well for him and for us and our program is he keeps things simple. He really does. He keeps things simple, straightforward to the point. Uh, you really know it's black or white with him, and it, it, it helps out not only the players but the staff. And so we kind of always know the direction he wants to go because it's real simple. And I think the players enjoy playing for him because especially as you watch the game, his concepts are just tried, true, solid, fundamental basketball. It's nothing that's no fads or anything like that. We're just tried, true, uh, basic, fundamental basketball. And I think the guys enjoy that. So Curtis seemed to be suggesting that kids are different today. That would be correct. Okay. What do you think motivates them? For both of you guys, what do you what think? Motivates Players. Yeah, what motivates players now? Like how, oh, much, the, different, how much different is it than, say, oh, than when know, I played? Than 15, you know, 15 years, years ago, ago. yeah. Um, well, first of all, the social media aspect is huge. When I was in college, I mean, uh, Facebook had just came out. It was 2004. I thought it was cool because I had a Facebook. Or, but I had really just got done with MySpace, and I had a top eight. But then that died after my freshman year. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's different because there was, no ex, there was no really extrinsic motivation for us at that time because the only people that knew about it, I mean, it's because it was because Granny was writing about it in the newspaper um, or Carp was writing about it in the newspaper here in Las Vegas or you guys were talking about it on the radio. There was nothing to get it really national unless you played those big games and you went to that, that media outlet um, in, in that area. And so I think now it's, there's some motivation for these guys that's, that's different because if they need that, and I'll say they need that instant self-gratification or approval from other people. I get it. That's kind of the way the, the, world, the world has shifted in terms of with social media. Um, but I think it impacts the, the way programs are built these days, and it's harder to build a program from that standpoint. But for me, it, I mean, Twitter didn't come out until 2009, and I was already out of college. So, I mean, you couldn't really retweet your highlights even though you just lost because I think that's a terrible look personally. But I think it's, it's a huge difference in terms of how kids are motivated. And, and in hindsight, I wish I would have been around or wish this stuff would have been around because with the NIL deals, I've said this before, we probably would have walked out of college with a lot more dollars in our pocket coming off two Mount West Conference championships, a Sweet 16, and a second-round appearance in the NCAA tournament had it been like that. But it's not. So that's just some of me being the old guy that's a hater right now. But there's some give and take because I think life would be so much easier for them to focus on basketball and being a kid in school if they didn't have these other things nipping and pulling at them all the time. I agree. I agree with, uh, with you, Curtis, a lot. I coach high school basketball for 20 years, and there's three things that I specifically remember, and that is when the iPhone was introduced, <laughs> my team changed because now they're using this phone to communicate. I specifically remember when Twitter became a thing. Then I also remember when the mixtape 
not your highlights, but a collection of your highlights, and you put it out on your social media. We're going to change my team. We're going to have to end it right now. Rebels in Fort Collins against the Rams on Friday night. Thanks to everybody. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week.